0: Yeah, what's up? It's, I'm going to kick it with know. hand again. Can I kick it right here? Here we go. It's, 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 well, it's time to make that change. People of the world off. today are fading. All well, of us have
1: a... our... Oh, I would like to say good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. This is Church Information and in Open Forum. I'm Mary Barnett, your host. We each and every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. right here on KNON 89.3 FM on your dial. A lot of things to go on. Talk about a lot of things going on. We might have a special guest coming in in a few moments. We hope so. Sir. Uh, we got this thing. We hope we got it finalized right now. We should have been. I wasn't taking care of that. Uh, finalizing Umar uh, Johnson, who will be on the 11th of July. But uh, we'll, we'll see in just a moment. But what we got going on, we got crisis all over the country, all around the world. What do you think, what do you think of, what do you think of? Young lady, young lady in Dallas, Texas, 21 years old. She's a graduate of David W. Carter High School. And we are talking about Shikari Richardson. She uh, earned first place to uh, be in the Olympics in the 100 meters in Tokyo, Japan. But she tested positive for marijuana. Uh, What do you think of that situation? First of all, she was tested in the state of Oregon, although it's done by the IAAF, the National Amateur Athletic Federation. And uh, they uh, said that she tested positive she can't run For a month, she's suspended for a month. That date was within the time that the hundred meters would be run, but it'd be outside of the time that the four by one hundred meter relay would run. And when you look at the uh, four by one hundred meter relay and uh, uh, the hundred meters, it'd be just two two different things. Two different things. Two different things. And when we see what's happening. We're going to have to deal with that situation because in the state of Oregon, marijuana is legal. Okay, okay. It's sold. It stores, it's like you go buy a loaf of bread. You can buy marijuana in there. And this is what they tested her. This is what she's gotten. We've got to look at this situation, young black lady. She took the marijuana because she said, and it was, that her mother had just died the week that week, and a re- news reporter told her this was nothing that our her grandmother had told her had had made it to her to tell her. A news reporter told her, your mother's dead. Now here's a young lady facing trying to U.S. make the U.S. Olympic team, and her mother passed so. You know, other people have different ways of you know soothing their pain. So uh, we just wonder about this situation. All right, do uh, who do we have on the line? And we have your guest, Omar Johnson. Omar Johnson is with us. righty. Good morning, Doctor Johnson. Good
2: morning,
3: sir. Glad to hear
1: your voice. Good, good hearing from you, Uh, Uma. uh It's, uh, we were just, we were just talking about the young lady. This crisis really is a local crisis for us here in Dallas because the young lady that's been uh, uh, put out of the hundreds so far, hundred meters, is uh, being, well, she's from Dallas, She's a local, she's a local hero here in Dallas for a lot of kids, a lot of people uh, just crazy about her. Uh, What do you think about this situation?
2: I think it's unfortunate. And I would venture to say that had she not been an American African, Mm -hmm. I think the Olympic Committee would have possibly looked the other way. Mm Mm-hmm given the circumstances Mm -hmm. because her use of marijuana was done to help console her Mm -hmm. upon learning that her mother had passed to me Mm -hmm. that is a very understandable use of marijuana and she should not have been punished for that I understand rules are rules but again uh has she not been
1: one of us given the circumstances, I think yes, this would have would never come out. Yeah. Uh what what about the swimmer? What's his name? One one all the gold medal. you know he got caught Michael Phelps. Yeah. He got he got caught with tons of that stuff and, and uh he, Was he ever punished? No. No. There you go, mm. case in point. Double no. standard.
2: Yeah. Jim Crow law has never been disqualified.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when will we stop facing these things like this?
2: Well, from a behavioral psychology perspective, from a very basic behavioral psychology perspective. All behavior is a consequence. Mm -hmm. of context and consequence. All behavior. Yours, mine, animals, plants. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Mm -hmm. Anything that breathes,
3: its behavior is a result
2: of context and consequence. And by context, we're speaking of a culture Mm -hmm. that exists. Mm-hmm. which basically says what is allowed and not allowed, what is tolerated and what is not tolerated. What mm-hmm. you can do in one place, you can't do it in another place because the culture doesn't accept it. So mm-hmm. America has a culture that allows black to be treated as second class citizens. But mm-hmm. then black people are as responsible as the government because if behavior is a result of consequences, we don't offer any consequences. Mm -hmm. There are no consequences for the government, for white corporations, for the police that kill us. Uh, Black people are not known to give out systemic consequences to Mm -hmm. anyone Mm -hmm. who mistreats us. What we are known to do is give out constant and repeated unjustified and unearned forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That's what we are known for. All right. We're known for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example, the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has done nothing of systemic consequence to benefit black people, mm-hmm. ever. But yet and still, we continuously and blindly vote in Democratic president. We put Bill Clinton in. He swelled up the prison, kicked out single mothers off welfare. Mandatory three sentences, excuse me, mandatory minimum sentences for nonviolent drug offenses. Mm -hmm. Put more black men in jail than probably any president in American history. A Democrat. We put Mm -hmm. Barack Obama in office. Totally ignored black people's issues. All he could see was women. All he could see was immigrants. All he could see was LGBT. Mm-hmm. Did nothing for black people. Mm-hmm. Now he's running around now talking about police at a time. But you were president for eight years. Did nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Took everything we fought for and gave it to every other group except mm-hmm. the people who died for it. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden, black people come out and vote for him. And I think we may have voted for Joe Biden in greater numbers than Obama. And the first thing he does when he gets in office is signs an LGBT bill. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a problem with the bill, but that bill doesn't come up for black people. Then he signs the anti-Asian hate bill. I don't have a problem with the anti-Asian hate bill, but it doesn't come up for black people because Mm -hmm. we built this country and we're the ones responsible for you getting in office. Joe mm-hmm. Biden still hasn't done anything to push back against police genocide, to push back against miseducation, to push back against gentrification, to push back against access to wealth. Mm-hmm. He gave us a holiday, Juneteenth, a few weeks ago. Why are you giving us a holiday that we've already been celebrating for 156 years? Mm-hmm. You didn't give the homosexuals a holiday. You gave them rights Protection and opportunity. Mm-hmm. You didn't give the Asians a holiday. You gave them rights, protection, and opportunity. You gave black people a holiday. And he <laughs> can do that, you know why? Because there will be no consequences consequence. for it. And when it's time for the next election, whether it's Biden or Kamala Harris or whomever else represent the Democrats, they know for a fact we will still vote for them. In mm-hmm. the words of Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass said the man who is whipped the easiest is the man who will be whipped the most Mm -hmm. a man may not get all he pays for in this world but he will pay for all that he gets Mm -hmm. power concedes nothing without a demand Mm -hmm. it never did and it never will Mm -hmm. if we are ever to get free of the injustices inflicted upon us we will have to pay for their removal We may have to pay with blood. We may have to play with blows. We may have to pay with our lives. But until the black man is ready to pay for his freedom, he will never get it. Frederick Douglass.
1: Well, do you uh, disagree with the Democrats that uh, uh, do you think African Americans are too loyal to uh, giving Democrats credit they didn't deserve when they uh, basically... Spearheaded. They didn't do it by themselves. Republicans. You had some Republicans in on it, but it was a Democratic president, Lyndon Johnson, that signed the 1964 Civil Rights Act, the '65 Voting Rights Act, '68 Open Housing, and uh, to have lived through that era was something uh, is unimaginable how bad we, better off we were. You give them no credit for that.
2: You left out another act, Elder. And the the act that you left out that so many black people leave out when they talk about the so-called accomplishments of Lyndon Baines Johnson and Company of the 1960s, the one act that we never talk about was the Law Enforcement Assistance Act. And I want to encourage all of your listeners to look up and do their research Mm -hmm. on the Law Enforcement Assistance Act which was signed a few months before or a few months after uh, the Voting Rights Act or the Civil Rights Act and the Law Enforcement Act.
1: Was, I tell you what, we, uh, we're up against a break. We'll be right back, and those who want to talk no in this conversation, you can reach him at 972 647 We'll be right back. Okay, we're we're back. We're back on uh, Dr. Umar Johnson. You were talking about the uh, the Law Enforcement Assistance Act of 1965. That was that is so true. Uh, but here's what I was alive then. I was just about grown. Uh, that Law Enforcement Assistance Act was something big. But compared to the perils and the lack of progress we had made in this country, it seemed so minuscule. That's why many civil rights groups and many people sort of overlooked the failure to pass that act. It was one of those things similar to what Clinton got off into when he started, uh, uh, you know, arresting blacks and sending them to to prisons and different things like that. There were so many uh, drive-by shootings. Actually, black people asked Clinton to do that. Did he not? Did we not?
2: Well, here's the thing. He didn't do it. He didn't do it because black people asked him to do it. He did it because Bill Clinton knew that if he wanted to win the election against George Bush, he would have to be as... What is the word? He would have to be as hard on quote-unquote black crime Mm -hmm. as George Bush was. And so he met his opponent where he was in order to get the vote. You know, George Bush was carried into office because of the way in which he colored crime and welfare with the black face. And and Bill Clinton's team had told him that if you want to win the White House, you're, you're going to have to paint... Crime and welfare with as black of a brush as pushed did and even worse. But here's the point Mm -hmm. that I wanted to make before that, before the break. Mm -hmm. The Law Enforcement Assistance Act of 1965 passed either right before or right after the Voting Rights Act. It was only a few months. Black, most black people never heard of it and didn't know nothing about it because we were so busy celebrating the Voting Rights Act that we didn't realize the same man who gave you the Voting Rights Act went right behind your back and and militarized the police. The Law Enforcement Assistance Act was the greatest, greatest transformation of local law enforcement in American history. It it, it militarized the local police. It gave them military-grade weapons, military-grade training. It gave them espionage equipment. It -hmm. gave them state-of-the-art tracking and listening uh, devices and equipment. It basically turned your local police force into an occupying army and one of the reasons lbg did this was to neutralize the black power movement that had grown up right in the aftermath of the civil rights movement they wanted to make sure that local police had the ability to destroy the panthers destroy the black liberation army and also be able to mass incarcerate black males as a reaction to the long hot summer of 19, uh, that that had happened after the the the, um, the 1960s riots that were taking place all across
1: the country. Yeah, it was a reaction uh, to uh, what had happened in 64, the passing of the Civil Rights Bill, which was uh, celebrated yesterday by some, July 2nd, 1964. But 65 came along with the Voting Rights Act, which was really pushed hard on Lyndon Johnson to get that passed. But at the same time, we were all zeroing in on Voting Rights Act. And the Enforcement Law Assistance Act was basically being overlooked. It's, it, it, And I understand that the president and, and those who... And
4: also, who are, Elder, with your, with your yeah. civil rights bill,
2: let us be very clear about something. Mm-hmm. Your civil rights bill benefited white women and homosexuals more than it benefited black people.
1: Oh, d- definitely so, Clinton definitely, Clinton,
2: definitely Clinton, Clinton, Clinton. so. And, and, and before Lyndon Bates Johnson signed the bill, the only way it would get through Congress anyway is if he conceded and if the Democrats conceded to the addition of two protected categories, which were women and uh, uh, gender and sexual orientation. They added gender and sexual orientation in the final moments of that bill Mm -hmm. because the Republicans were not going to let it go by. So they had to add gender and sexual orientation in it. And the reason they added gender (laughs) and sexual orientation is that would be a way to make the civil rights bill benefit white people more than black people, because a white woman is still white and a white homosexual is still white. And so by adding gender and sexual orientation, that was a way to redirect the resources of the civil rights bill right back to white people. And that's why in the 1980s and 90s, when they looked at the benefits that had accrued over those past uh, few decades of the civil rights uh, act, they, they concluded, the government as well, that most of the benefits of the Civil Rights Bill went to white women and white homosexuals.
1: Well, they, they, they call that uh, affirmative action. That's what they, they brought affirm, affirmative action in that thing to make sure that the people that benefited the most would be white. That was a game well, played on us.
2: Act, but the law itself. That's was, where it came affirmative from. Affirmative action could have never been re-looped back. To white women and white gays, had it not been for the language, well, that's
1: who really—that's that that who benefited from a affirmative action. African Americans hadn't benefited that much from affirmative and, action, and it, but white but women my have.
4: Point is, exactly,
2: but my point is, it was designed to not
3: benefit us. Well, I think we're
1: saying the same thing. I agree with that. Uh, I agree with that. But that did give us uh, the in the South. Uh, a way to walk through the front door to buy something, you know, not go around in the alley in the back door. It did uh, let us sit closer to the front of the bus, Now they have to all pile on the back of the bus. These things, these these things that were so indignant in, in back in uh, the 60s, blacks were really uh, ready to give up some of the, those other things that would benefit whites. In order to just be treated uh, as decent human beings, these these are the well, things that happen. Yeah. Uh uh-huh.
2: We we th- there's five major problems that American Africans suffer from right now. Mm-hmm. Five major problems, and they are miseducation, mm-hmm. economic castration, gentrification, mass incarceration and police genocide. Again, Diseducation, mm-hmm. gentrification, mass incarceration, economic castration or access to wealth and police genocide. Name me one of those five problems. Just one that Joe Biden is dealing with. Name me one oh, oh, oh. that Kamala Harris is dealing with. Name me one that Barack Obama has dealt with. Name me one that Bill Clinton has dealt with. I'm not saying the Republicans are better. I'm not voting for neither one of them because both parties Serve white supremacy. The Democrats don't do nothing for black people. The Republicans don't do nothing for black people. And they get away with it because black people don't want to do anything for themselves. See, the problem is not only the loyalty that you mentioned a minute ago, but it's also the political laziness. Because if Mm. we were not so damn politically lazy, we could offer up systemic consequences to the Democrats and the Republicans, where they don't push a black agenda. But part of our problem as a people is most of our perspectives and most of our political behavior is based on a religious foundation, which is to say we deal with our politics the same way we deal with religion. And that is in order for us to vote for you, we have to like you as a person. But the politician is not a pastor. But we want the politician to act like a pastor, and if the politician acts like a pastor, he can get our vote. And that's why most politicians run right to the black church in order to get the black vote because they know if they go in there and start talking about Jesus or Muhammad, they can get all the black votes that they want. We are very emotionally immature the way that people can use our religion against us to exploit us politically. But in addition to that, just like in the church... We're taught that God sends you saviors, God sent you Abraham and God sent you Jesus and God sent you Muhammad. So we wait for God to send us saviors to come down and help black people solve their problems. (laughs) The problem with that is every other group is growing and training and raising their leaders. The Chinese ain't waiting for no leader to drop from heaven. The white man ain't waiting for no leader to drop from heaven. They are teaching and training their children to be leaders Black people are waiting for them to drop from heaven. You can't use religious ideas to solve political problems. I don't have a problem with religion, but keep that in the church. Keep that in the masjid. You don't bring your religious beliefs into political conversations because none of the problems black people have is going to be solved by the Bible or Quran.
1: Well, here's what. The Bible has been, it was whitewashed to us. It was Eurocentricized to us. It was given us. It is an Afrocentric book centered from Africa, from the Old Testament on, everything. The people were Africans, the people that, or the places where they lived was Africans the rivers that it names the country name? named all this is Africa but it's been eurocentricized and black people in 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 their minds they think that was a uh, uh, white folks was running that running over these things they don't realize that most of the people that the Bible mentioned just about all of them were black people and black people don't understand it and the our uh, preachers have failed to to preach that and teach that because I guess some many of them have failed to go back and restudy what they have been taught. Even even if they were in black schools, they were taught Eurocentric theology. This is one of the things we got. We got so many people want to talk to you, man. Uh, uh,
2: well, let me say this first, Bob, you, before you say that. Right. Uh-huh. Just to let the people know that Dr. Umar Johnson will be coming back to Dallas, Texas for the first time in three years. And I will be there next Sunday, July 11th. Next Sunday, a free event, no tickets are necessary. I will be at the Aldi's Ephrubian Restaurant. Again, that's the Aldi's Afribian Restaurant. Dr. Umar Johnson returns to Dallas Sunday, July 11th from 2 p.m. until 8. I will give a free lecture at 2, followed by questions and answers, and then I will sign books. From 4 until 8. So for those who want to hear the lecture or have some questions, they should be there from 2 to 4. And those who just want to stop by and get a book and take a picture, they could be there from 4 to 8. Aldi's is located at 7879 Spring Valley Road. That's 7879 Spring Valley Road, Aldi's Fribian Restaurant. Free event, Bring the Children, Sunday, July 11th
1: from 2 to 8. Okay, that's not far from the studio here where you're going to be I'll the next Sunday.
2: you have your books have with you? Black Parent Advocate. Yes, they're brand new book.
1: Well, I want you to make this uh, uh, announcement again uh, sure. uh, several times because Aldi's Caribbean restaurant, all this area, this is not a black area. It's not a predominantly black okay. area. Uh, and uh, okay. you want to make sure we keep that address and everything well, the people, the biggest listeners of this show, are, you know, some of everybody, but uh, we want to make sure we get this uh, address right. Is out on Spring Valley. That's to out here. Uh, so we'll make sure. That's uh, July 11th. At what time, you say? 2 p.m. until 8 p.m. 2 p.m. to 8 p.m., six hours. All right, okay. Then. Six
2: hours. All right. This All right. is a new book, Bob, A Black Parent Advocate, The Art of War, dealing with America's public and charter schools. It is a 550-page book mm-hmm. filled with information and solutions for black parents to protect their children from mm-hmm. special education abuse, ADHD exploitation, mm-hmm. and psychiatric medication abuse
1: all right okay all right bring me up a call
5: uh ready yeah we we have a caller who would like to talk to dr jensen you're on the air all right what's his name so the connection wasn't great so i didn't hear the Black name Oak. but you're with us Black right blackhawk Black Black oh good morning
1: blackhawk yeah. how are you doing
6: Remember R- I listen to, to Mr. Umar Johnson, that brother's head. I didn't think about that for years. Mm-hmm. The Democratic Party was the party of slavery. Remember uh up in Canada, the Indians are on the warpath. pad uh, where they mistreat those kids up there in Canada They tore down the statue of Queen Elizabeth and Queen Victoria up there in Canada. Right. Well and I will tell, tell you something, I'll tell, tell you something else. Let me tell you a little while. I'll tell you something else. On the level, on the tenth of the level, I to down painting they had the, uh, the annual uh, picnic at, at 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 the uh at the place out there. So that's everybody's invited.
1: Okay. Thank you. Thank All you for guys, that information.
6: I've been thinking about that for years. I, I thought I knew that brother's head. That's brother. a heavy brother, man. That's his brother. All right, that's
1: why we have him on. All righty.
6: We we grew up doing segregation. Mm-hmm. You know that. All right. I grew up with the civil rights movement. Sturman right. Carmacker was a friend of mine, former Terrey.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. All right.
6: All right. God bless you. God read bless you. Read 20 supposed to of July speech. You just read it. Read 20 Douglas 4th do
1: July speech. Yes. All right.
6: Put it up on your computer. Read it, okay?
1: Yes, I've read it many times. God bless All right. You. God Thank bless you.
6: you. Mm-hmm. Have a good time. Enjoy, okay.
1: Okay. The Ecclesiastes line 972 647 1893. Who do we have next? We have Eric. All righty. Good morning, Eric. Good morning,
6: Reverend Brennan. How are you?
1: Fine. How are you? You're on with Dr. Umar Johnson.
7: Yeah. Uh, I just want to know to the people out there, all athletes, or whoever, uh, if you're just working or whatever, exercise, be careful about what you eat. Sometimes you might have to try it three or four times. Uh, I mean, it's tricky. Sometimes you might have to go five months to find out what's wrong with you. It's real tricky, man. I mean, you got to pay close attention. Tonight you have to have your girlfriend with you for six months to find out if y'all can still stay together or be together. Uh, I want to read just what I think about that track star. She's inspired by God. It said, the most exciting product nutrient available, available safely, and immobilize the body's inflammatory response. It's literally a soothing comfort the body crave, And like, she kind of hyped up. You remember
1: she ran in the Uh Do you have something? a question for Dr. Johnson? Yeah, my question,
7: no, I don't have a question. I was just
4: letting him know that. Okay, I'm thank you.
1: We're, we're talking team. with Dr. Johnson this morning and uh, call me back next week with that information. All righty. Thank you. All right. All uh, right. the line 972-647-1893. Well, and uh, we have a, a lot of things going on. Dr. Johnson, uh, how do you see? Uh, I'm I'm critical of uh, uh, President Biden myself because uh, what would you, let's go to the nitty gritty. What's your thought of his selection as vice president? What do you think of that?
2: It really doesn't matter who he would have selected as vice president. The bottom line is when you vote for a president and a vice president, you're voting for a personality. You're not voting for a policy. And this is where black people make one of our greatest mistakes because we literally think that there's a difference in the agenda towards black people between the Democrat and the Republican, and it's not. The only difference is in their tactic. The only difference is in their approach. The black agenda for the Republican is identical to the black agenda for the Democrat. The only difference is the Republicans are honest. They are honest in telling black people, we're not going to do nothing for you. Whereas the Democrats will mislead black people and play on their emotional intelligence by making them think they're going to do something for them. Kamala Harris is no better than any white vice president that we've ever had. She doesn't have the history of doing anything for black people. She just recently said on national television that America was not racist. So if America is not racist, Vice President Kamala Harris, then why did your president sign an anti-Asian bill against racism against Asians? If the country ain't racist, why Mm -hmm. did you sign an anti-Asian race bill? And so you have Kamala Harris saying, America is not a racist country, and then you have, I believe the gentleman's name is Tim Scott, who's the highest ranking black Republican, okay, in the U.S. Senate. He also said that America is not racist. So there you go. Your top two highest black elected officials, the top Republican, Tim Scott, and the top Democrat, Kamala Harris, and they both protected America. They both sided with the white power structure by saying America is not racist. Black people need to get out of the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. They need to start their own political union or their own political party, not necessarily to run candidates, but to leverage their vote so that you can force the Democrats or the Republicans to serve your agenda in exchange for your vote. Black people are the only people in America, the only group that votes for people before they even know their agenda. We are already guaranteed to vote Democrat before you even know what the Democrats are fighting for. That's like walking into a supermarket and you just start putting stuff in the cart. You're gonna buy whatever's in the cart whether you need it or not. That is absolutely ridiculous. And as long as the Democrats know black people are gonna vote for them, and as long as Republicans know black people are not going to vote for them, the Republicans will not take you seriously and the Democrats will not take you silly. The black vote is the biggest joke in America because it's the easiest one to get and it's the one vote that you never have to earn.
1: Would you rather seen Trump win than uh, Biden?
2: It would have made no difference because no matter if Trump wins or Biden wins, white supremacy is still the policy of the land. Now, when I am able to vote out, when I can vote out white supremacy, When I can vote out mass incarceration, when I can vote out miseducation, when I can vote out police genocide, when I can vote in equal access to wealth and resources, then I have something to vote for. But telling me that I have to vote between two white men, neither of which I really want, and then tell me that that's a democracy because I cast the vote for a racist when I was (laughs) never allowed to cast the vote for an issue. See, that's how they brainwash black people. They make you think that because you're voting between people, you have a choice. Choice is not in voting between people. Choice is in voting between issues choice is in voting between options. Choice is in voting between solutions. Voting between people is not a choice. That's not what democracy is about. Democracy is about voting the options, voting, the opportunity, voting between platforms, voting between issues. There's no difference between the Republican or the Democrat when it comes to black people and their issues. all Either right
1: one cares. All right, would you give out your uh, uh, address where you're going to name it, the place again? I want you to, really, I, I want the, you to uh, imprint this on their minds because a lot of black people will not know ex- uh, exactly where this particular place is, where the venue where you meet. Yes, sir. Give it again. Aldi's. Aldi's
2: Affiliate Restaurant is located at 78. Seventy nine. I repeat, 78, 79, Spring Valley Road in Dallas. Dr. Umar will be there next Sunday, one week from tomorrow, July 11th, 2 p.m. until 8 p.m. It is a free event. You don't need any tickets. All you have to do is come on in. We're going to have a community conversation and a book signing. We're going to talk about some of these issues we're discussing right now. Of Mm -hmm. course, I'm going to talk about the school to prison pipeline in Texas. I'm going to talk about the special education abuse of our children in Mm -hmm. Dallas, in Austin, in Fort Worth, in Longview, in Houston, all around Texas. Too many black children are being put in special ed. Too many black children are being classified with learning disabilities that they do not have. Too many black parents are being forced to get their children evaluated for ADHD, which is illegal. I'm going to talk about that. Too many children being put on dangerous psychiatric medication. We're going to talk about that as well. This book teaches black parents how to respond effectively to the schools. It is a follow-up to my first book, which is already in Texas, but the new book will be coming to Texas for the first time next Sunday. Black Parent Advocate the art of war for dealing with America's public and charter schools.
1: All right. We're up against a short break and you can reach us at 972-647-1893 and we'll be right back.
0: I'm kick it. On, kick it right Here it's, we go. Well, it's time to make that change People of the world today are fading All of us have our ups and downs You better think about it or you won't be
1: around it's what we need. It's a bit love. All right, we are back. We are back on Church Information and Open Forum. Our special guest is Dr. Umayy Johnson. And on the line we have with us Attorney uh, Malcolm Robinson. Uh, attorney Robinson, you there? Yes, I am. All right. Dr. Johnson, you there? Yes, I am. All right, okay, y'all go ready.: right
7: Yes, I have uh, one question for uh, <clears throat> Dr. Johnson, then I'll hang up and listen. My hmm. question is his understanding of the critical race theory
3: and mm-hmm. uh, how that yeah, what well, basically
7: his understanding of it, and then he could kind of explain if, what his understanding is and
2: how that affects African-American people. That's that's my question. Okay. i hang up. Yes, sir. My understanding of critical race theory, it is an academic approach to the interpretation, understanding, and
3: teaching
2: of American history that puts the enslavement and the humanization of African people at the center, at the center of the founding of this country, and puts the degradation in second-class citizenship as African people as a central driving theme of American history. And it is correct. I agree with it. The problem I have with critical race theory is why are we trying to force white people
3: to teach
2: a history of white people that contradicts the public narrative that America has been trying to project to the world. America is never going to admit who she is and what she's about, because it contradicts her position globally as trying to play the international political police of the world. You can't do that if at the same time you're being forced to accept the fact that you have never been moral, you have never been ethical, that your Pledge of Allegiance That your preamble to your constitution, that your constitution itself is nothing but a mockery because you have never guaranteed it for the very people who laid the foundation for the greatness of your country, which was the enslaved Africans that you brought over here. America is never going to accept that. And one of the reasons America is trying to shut the door on the teaching of racism and the teaching of slavery is because it keeps the conversation of reparations alive and well. In order for America to get away from her shame, in order for America to get away from the hypocrisy and the contradiction of freedom, justice, and equality in the face of mass enslavement, dehumanization, and police genocide, she has to eliminate the conversation. That's why right now there's states in this country, there's two movements right now. Two movements. One movement is to eliminate the teaching of racism from America's public schools. Not just critical race theory, because critical race theory has never been adopted. That was just an idea. But right now, in social studies classes and history classes in America's public and charter schools, you do get a little bit of instructional racism in some places. They want to eliminate the teaching of racism. So you can't tell the children how America came to be. Because if you're gonna eliminate the teaching of racism, you must eliminate the teaching of American history because American history is the history of racism. So that's number one. They wanna get rid of the teaching of racism. And number two, they wanna get rid of the teaching of slavery. They do not want students to know that African people came to America as imports, not immigrants. So Mm -hmm. they are sanitizing American history right before your eyes, literally. Eliminating and recreating the narrative that America wants. This is what America is. Not only that, the U.S. Congress just passed a bill the other day that is going to remove the statues of Confederate generals, I believe, from the from the Mall in Washington. And many state legislatures have recently passed laws to elip, to remove the statues of Confederate generals and Confederate heroes from. Uh, publicly owned uh, spaces in those states. I disagree with that. I don't want the statues of Confederate generals removed. I want them to stay up. Mm -hmm. Why do I want them to stay up? Because when I do tours with students, I want them to know the history of America. And the history of America's racism lies in those statues of those races. Don't take them down. Leave them up so we can teach our children how this country came to be, so we can teach our children that the same, the same military that lost the Civil War is being upheld and celebrated by the military that won the Civil War. Nowhere in world history can you find a situation where the army that won is celebrating the army that lost, and that is because the army that won sympathized with the army that lost Because the Civil War was not about the elimination of slavery. The Civil War was about the preservation of the Union. And the only reason why Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation was to weaken the economic stronghold that the Confederacy had on the American economy. It had nothing to do with freeing black people. But they don't want that to be taught. But here's my question, and I'll shut up. Why do we need white people to teach our children about slavery? Why do we need white people? to teach our children about racism. Why do we need critical race theory forced on America's universities when you have historically black colleges and universities? Why do we need the public schools to teach black children black history when you have a church on every other corner? You got a community center in every neighborhood. If black people want black children to know who they are, we should be teaching them ourselves.
1: All right. Thank you. I right, thank you for that calling and comment. They close the line 972 647 1893. All righty. Who do we have next? Um, We have Booby. Bobby. Bobby. Ready. Who do we have next?
8: Um, we
1: have- Please listen to your phone, not your radio. Out of
8: curiosity, how did we get all of this good conversation on for just one day, Reverend Burnett?
1: He's been on my show several times.
8: Has he? I've I missed him completely. I'm sorry about that. He has something uh-huh. to say. Yeah, well, right now you Party. need to
1: listen more often. Oh, I'll do it. Gotcha.
8: I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, I think it is. The Republican Party is not for uh, black people, and the Democratic Party is not for black people. We have to be honest about that. They're doing the best that they can with what they got to work with. But we had to vote for somebody, Reverend Burnett. That's how we got into the whole thing. We had we had to vote for somebody, and the more we learn about voting, the better we can vote. We haven't been voting that long. It's a whole lot of us talking about voting. We haven't been voting that long, and most of all, we've been listening and trying to find our way. I appreciate Mm -hmm. him to I appreciate him to the top of the bottom of my feet, the top of my head, but. If the Republican Party don't care about us. The Democratic Party don't either. And we've got to care about ourselves. That's what the whole thing is. Mm-hmm. We must care about ourselves. Our I
1: think that's what do he's saying. They
8: can do. Yeah. Well, I just want to be sure that we know that's what he's saying. In that business about religion, religion is what you spend most of your time doing. If that's what you do, that's what you appreciate. It's too much to talk about. I'm going to hang up, but that's what I, I needed to say that because neither one of those parties are going to do anything for the black community because they don't really know what we need. We know what we need. Thank
1: you very much. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Johnson, (laughs) what do you think about that?
2: Yes, sir. There was a quote, and I believe the quote was from Father Rothschild, uh, who was one of the first to create an international banking system for the world Mm -hmm. uh, in which to enslave nations. And he said, quote,
3: give me control over a people's money and i care not who makes the laws
2: give me control (laughs) over the nation's money Mm -hmm. and i care not who makes the laws this is why you don't see chinese people going crazy to get a chinese governor you don't see the asians who invade the black community economically you don't see them running to be the mayor and the state reps and the U.S. reps because if you control the money of a people you control the progress of a people. See, Mm -hmm. black people don't want to master money because we're not yet ready to use our money as a liberating force for our freedom. Let me be clear. We are the only people in this country, the only one who do not use their money in an organized systemic fashion to bring about liberation. We have never used the money. We will march, we will protest, we will vote, we will pray, we will rally, we will go to the meetings, but we will not organize the black dollar to bring about black power. And I'm here to tell you that until the black dollar is organized to bring about black power, there will never be any freedom. You have to use the black dollar to bring about black power. We're spending $2 billion a year on Air Jordans. $4 billion a year on liquor, we're spending $800 million a year on chicken, turkey, beef and pork, we're spending billions of dollars a year on video games, $30 billion a year on beauty products and fake hair. Look at the money that we are wasting while at the same time we keep begging the U.S. government to free black people. If black people wanted to be free, we could free ourselves. I am not taking any responsibility off of the government because the government is black America's greatest problem. But at the same time, black America is the second greatest problem because we don't want to do anything about the first greatest problem. Most of what needs to be done for us can be done by us. Let me say it again. Most of what needs to be done for black people can be done by black people, but we don't want to use our money to bring about our liberation. We want to beg the white man for what we need, and we want to spend our money on what we want.
1: What's the main place this should uh, be taught?
2: In the community itself. That's why I'm in the process of renovating the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy, mm-hmm. which is located in Wellington, Delaware, 30 minutes from Philadelphia, my hometown. And I want to thank all the brothers and sisters in Texas who has stood by Dr. Umar these seven years that we've been raising money. We purchased the school in February of 2019. So we purchased the school since my last visit to Dallas. Mm-hmm. We now own the school and at um, Aldi's Restaurant. on Sunday, I'll talk more about the school, but I do want to say to your listening audience, please continue to uh, support us. Uh, we are having a block party uh, this September, uh, September the 11th, which is a Saturday. I invite all my Texas supporters to join us at the school. The school isn't ready yet, but we're gonna to have the to block party outside of the school for so people get an opportunity to see the campus that we have purchased four beautiful buildings. We have two schools and we're hoping that we'll have a renovated before the end of the calendar year so we can start school for our young men next summer of twenty twenty two. All
1: right. Wonderful. All right. Nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three is the number to call. Uh wait, who would we have? We have Joe on line three. All righty. Good morning, Joe.
9: Hello, Rembrandt, how are you doing?
5: Fine,
1: how are you doing?
9: All righty, righty. You got mm-hmm. your great guest there, Dr. Omar, jo- Omar Johnson. Been following for quite some time. What a man, what a man. Yes. Uh, doing mm-hmm. great work as always, and I'll definitely be at his event when he come here July 11th, mm-hmm. and I'll bring a little entourage with him because uh, he's doing great, great things. You knocked that That's up. why I wanted him
1: to keep giving out that address. Uh, because I, I'm afraid there are a lot of people not as for me with that address as they should be, but uh, I wouldn't keep giving it out.
9: That's right, seventy-eight, seventy-nine, Spring Valley Road. Uh, mm. That's that's where it's gonna be, and that's from two p.m. to eight p.m. But question for Doctor Johnson, Doctor Johnson, how you doing?
2: How you doing,
9: Elvis? Oh, good, good, good. It's so, Joe. I uh, wanted to. Uh, A little question and maybe get you to expound on that uh, rung of the old plantation ladder that they took out uh, this week. The Supreme Court ruled that college players could get compensated uh, for their labors. And that is long overdue. It was nothing but an old slave outfit. Everybody got compensated but the plaintiffs. The coaches got Mercedes, and the school made all kind of money. They celebrated the athlete because they were making money <laughs> off of the sweat of the athlete. And if a black girl was elected queen, they would boo her in the same stadium that they just celebrated the mm-hmm. outstanding halfback. But if you would touch on that old rung of the ladder, the Supreme Court rule that fix it where players could get compensated, I get off the line. And listen.
2: I think it's a good thing. I think it's long overdue. <laughs> um, it, it, it's much long overdue. And I think the reason why it went through, to be honest with you, is because so many, prof- so many college athletes were tone- turning professional after one year, mm-hmm. that the colleges, mm-hmm. the big time colleges, mm-hmm. were losing money on these young black athletes going to the NFL and to the NBA after one year. Mm -hmm. So part of the reason they decided to let them make money is so that they would not be in such a rush to turn pro. In other words, it was more, it was, it really wasn't done for the justice to the athlete. It was really done to help the colleges hold on to the athlete longer. Mm -hmm. So they can exploit their talent for business. So now, If if Dr. Umar Johnson goes to Duke or University of Maryland or Florida State and I'm a football, basketball player, if I'm able to make money off of my jersey, if if Nike can give me a contract as a college player, I'm not in a rush to go to the NBA now. I might stay and get my degree because I'm making enough money as a college student that I can enjoy being a college student. And so I don't need to go to the league next year to take care of my mother and my children because I'm making enough money right now. It might not be the amount of money I'm going to make when I get to the league, but I'm making enough to take care of my family, and I'm making enough to take care of myself that I'm not going to be in such a rush to get to the professionals. And, and, and that was really done to help the colleges hold on to the athlete longer, but I do think it was a benefit for the athlete.
1: All righty. Uh, that that and and I'm so glad you expounded upon that because I realized uh that when 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 well we played out there I played football in college uh that you know uh a lot of the guys that I played with were married and had families when when we started there as freshmen, and so it was a terrible break you couldn't wait to get an opportunity to get out of there and try to get to the league. You you couldn't, and now this will allow them to stick around, and those colleges uh, really will benefit most from this, Mark. What I tell you, I know it may not make sense to a lot of people, but they're going to make most out of this particular deal, yes. All right. 972-647-1893. Uh, who do we have? Uh, we have Patricia on line three. Patricia? Who's that, Patricia? Yeah, Patricia. All right. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning. I'd like to
10: know how I can speak your guests.
1: What, what'd you like to know? I, I, to speak serious, to my guests? No, I would like to know how to monetarily support him. All right, Dr. Uh, Doctor Johnson, she wants, to know how she can give you some money.
2: Uh, yes, uh, well, for the school, uh, the Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy donations can be made three ways. The first way is on your cash app, dollar sign S.D.M.G. school on the cash app. I repeat, dollar sign S.D.M.G. school on the cash app. If you're using PayPal, you can make your donation by way of paypal.me slash I repeat, paypal.me slash Academy or on the Cash app at DollarSign FDMG School. You can also mail your check or money order payable to FDMG Academy to P.O. Box 9634 Wilmington, Delaware, That's P.O. Box 9634 Wilmington, Delaware, 19809. You could also bring a check or money order donation next Sunday to the Aldi's Fribian restaurant, 7879 Spring Valley Road, two to eight, for the lecture and book signing. You could, you know, bring the donation in person. Please don't bring cash. We prefer it be a check or money order so we can keep documentation of your donation. Um, And if folks want to donate to me personally, they can do it uh, by way of uh, my cash app, which is a dollar sign Dr. Umar Johnson. Um, also, they could do it by way of uh, Zell. And on Zell, they could use my email address, Dr. Umar Johnson at yahoo.com, or my cell phone number, which is 215 989 9858. 215 989 9858. But I always recommend that they donate to the school first. Uh, Funds that are donated to me are used to help fund some of the other initiatives, projects, programs, and ideas that I'm working on. But I always recommend that they donate to the school first. And anybody who wants the flyer, if you want the flyer for next Sunday's event in Dallas, Texas, you can text my cell phone for the flyer, 215-989-9858, and I will send you the flyer for all these. And let me also let the people know, that I will be in Houston, Texas the day before. So on Saturday, July the 10th, I'll be in Houston, Texas at the Shrine of the Black Madonna at the same time from 2 to 8 doing the same thing, free lecture, Q&A session, and book signing. So we have Houston on Saturday, July 10th, Dallas on Sunday, July 11th, and then I'll be back in Texas on Sunday, July the 25th. I'll be in Austin, Texas for a 4 p.m. event, but I'm still waiting for the details for the July 25th Austin, Texas event. So, all right. three Texas stops. I've yeah. never visited all mm-hmm. three cities in the same month. This will be the first time.
1: Yeah, we can, all right. We're up against a short break, and you can reach us at 972-647-1893. And uh, don't worry, Dr. Johnson will ask him to give out this information continuously through uh, the uh, program because um, we don't want uh, Houston and Austin to outdo us here in Dallas. Dallas is the city of Texas, so we're going to have to outdo uh, Houston and Austin, and we'll be right back. Yeah, what's up? It's, I'm going to kick it
3: with
0: here, here
1: it's, we go. It's, All right, we're back and ready for our number two of Church Information and Open Forum. I'm Marian Barnett, your host. Leon's here with me this morning, visiting with us in the studio. And uh, we're off and rolling, but we want to invite you to worship with us at 9.30 tomorrow morning. Heavenly Joy Church. Marian, you get on it by Marian Barnett Sr. Facebook, Facebook, Marian Barnett Sr. Tomorrow morning, nine thirty. Shop. We start. So be with us tomorrow morning. Love to have you with us tomorrow morning. All righty. Who do you have on the line? Is Mister Umar Johnson?
5: Oh uh, yeah, Doctor Johnson and Stephanie is waiting for being on the air too. Tiffany.
1: Stephanie. 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 Yeah. All right. Okay. Good morning, Stephanie. Is, is she on? She's on. both of you gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I
10: would like to, I would like to correct, um, spelling of Mr. Johnson name, Dr. Johnson name.
1: you like to correct Dr. Oh, yes, Johnson?
10: No, no, sure. I wanted to know the correct spelling of his name and the book that you had mentioned earlier. I have my pencil and my paper ready.
3: Okay. Yes, mm-hmm.
2: ma'am. The correct spelling of the name is, well, it's D-R for Dr. U-M-A-R, Umar, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, Dr. Umar Johnson. The website is also Dr. Umar Johnson. But as far as the book, you can get it in person next Sunday. If you order the book from my website, it's $70. But if you purchase it at the book signing, it's 50. So I recommend that brothers and sisters who can make it to Houston on the 10th, Dallas on the 11th, or Austin on the 25th, that you come and meet me personally so you can get the book at a discounted rate. It's 550 pages, Um, but you can get it personally so you don't need to order it from the website. I recommend you don't order it from the website if you can come get it next weekend. Okay, and I need the address as well, please. Uh, where is he going to speak? Oh, yes, the, the address, Aldi's Afribian Restaurant, 7879 Spring Valley Road. That's 7879 Spring Valley Road. Aldi's, A-L-D-E-E-Z. A-L-D-E-E-Z. Aldi's Afribian A-F-R-I-B-B-E-A-N like Caribbean but instead of Caribbean it's Afribian A-F-R-I-B-B-E-A-N Aldi's Afribian Restaurant it's a very popular uh, Afribian restaurant which means they serve both African and Caribbean mm-hmm. dishes mm-hmm. and uh, you can you, you can Google them as well you can Google them on your cell phone A-L-D-E-E-Z a fribian a f r i b b e a n leave the fribian restaurant 7879 Springs valley road next sunday july 11th 2 to 8 lecture question and answer session book signing and again anyone who wants the flyer can text my cell phone at 215 989
1: 9858 all right we thank you 898989
2: Eight, I'm sorry, 9858? Nine, eight, eight? Yes, 989 9858.
7: 215 okay. 989
1: 9858. Okay. And what is the name of the book? Black, you, parent you,
10: Black Parent Black Advocate. Black Parent Advocate. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. God, God bless you.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, you. thank you. Mm-hmm. Nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three is the number to call. Uh, who do we have next for Dr. Johnson? We have Ray on uh, line three. All righty. Good morning, Ray. Uh, good morning, Pastor, and good morning, Mr. Uh, Johnson or you both going? Mm-hmm. Go right so ahead, well, first Ray. Of all, sorry, okay, well, first of all, I will be attending the event next
11: week. But I would like to touch on something that uh, Dr. Johnson spoke about, and I've been speaking about the same thing for years. About you know the fact that black people one problem economically is that we will not get up and do anything. When it comes to economics, we give away assets such as uh, homes, uh, other property. We give that property away when it's passed down to us, not realizing the value of that asset. Now let's go back to the '60s during the civil rights movement. When during the uh, Montgomery bus boycott, when A.G. Gaston recommended or suggested that black people buy the transit system while it was devalued. And, but instead, the civil rights leaders said no. They wanted to protest and, you know, sit at, to get the right to sit at the front of the bus rather than buy the company. So, again, that same thing. We're not focused on economic and financial development. That's all I have to say. Thank you. All
1: right. Thank you.
2: And, and to that point, and to that point, because I think it's an excellent point that the gentleman raises. I say it all the time: how different would a Black America be had Dr. King, who is a hero of mine, by the way, can't nobody say anything negative to me about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But how di- how different Black America would have been had the Montgomery Improvement Association chose to take all that money they had saved from boycotting the bus system for 381 days and take that money and buy their own black transportation system. That, that's the way we should have went. But, you know, that's no criticism because I still appreciate the struggle that our ancestors went through to get us this far. Uh, But again, black people, because of slavery and Jim Crow and the mistreatment that we have had and the low self-esteem that racism has given black people, for most of us, we can't conceive of a better goal finally being accepted by white people. See, that's the problem right there. There is a psychological uh, deficiency within the American Negro that makes it difficult for us to look at what our real goals should be. Our real goals should be to own our own. Our real goals should Mm -hmm. be to control our own economics. But because of the psychological damage that slavery has engendered in the black man and woman, we can't get beyond being accepted by white people. And so whereas every other people is building their own school and their own hospital and their own bank and their own supermarket and their own shipping companies and their own manufacturing plant. We can't get there. And the reason we can't get there is because the post-traumatic slavery disease still has us thirsting to finally be accepted by white people. And so I'm here to say you will never be Accepted by white people because you were never wanted by white people. So get over your psychological insecurities and start working to be an independent people. We just celebrated Black Wall Street, Tulsa 1921, the Black Wall Street race massacre, the race war. It's been a hundred years. It's time for some new Black Wall Streets. We need a Black Wall Street in New York. We need a Black Wall Street in D.C. We need a Black Wall Street in New Orleans. We need a Black Wall Street in Houston, a Black Wall Street in Austin, a Black Wall Street in Houston, in, in Dallas. But in order to build a Black Wall Street in Dallas, Texas, three things have to happen. Number one, Black people have to put the agenda of the community before their own. Number two, Black people have to get over This psychological illness of needing to be accepted by white people. And number three, black people have to learn to work together and get along. You have to be able to do those things in order to make Dallas, Texas, the next great black Wall Street.
1: All right. All right. Wonderful. Uh, But when we look at this whole thing right now, what how do you feel? about us paying taxes all these years. We pay taxes just like everybody else. And uh, we pay school taxes, and our school taxes have, we've never truly have gotten an education in America, but we pay taxes to it. How do you feel like uh, that we are main pillar in in the... uh,
11: the
1: is uh somebody else on yeah um uh school taxes and uh we would uh sue behind my just miseducation.
2: my opinion on the taxes is let's not use it as an excuse not to do for Mm -hmm. self. Because Chinese pay taxes, but they still have their own institutions. Arabs pay taxes, but they still have their own institutions. Mexicans pay taxes, but they still have their own institutions. I'm tired of black people, not you elder, but black people saying, I pay taxes for the school. I pay taxes for this and for that. So why do I have to create my own if I pay taxes to the government? And the answer is real simple. If you care about your children, you will build your own schools because you know your enemy will never do it right. Mm -hmm. If you care about your people, you will create your own businesses to hire them because the government will never hire enough of them. So the issue is not whether you pay taxes or not, the issue is whether you care about your people enough to do something for them independently from the government. If black America, is going to continue to depend on the government, the government will bring about your extermination. Mm-hmm. We all know good and well that this country has never cared about black people. That is undisputable. The white man can't argue it. The black man can't argue it. The only thing that can be argued is whether or not the black man cares enough about himself to do something about his condition. We don't mm-hmm. bring up taxes when we spend all that money on wees. We don't bring up taxes when we spend all that money at white restaurants. We don't bring up taxes when we spend all that money on automobiles and vacations and video games and, and all this uh, food and clothing that we buy from white folks. Black people have no problem coming up with money for the things they want. We have no problem coming up with money for the things we want. After we pay taxes, we will still go out and buy the things that we want. Why can't we do the same thing with the things that we need? The reason we don't do it for the things that we need is because black people want no responsibility to the collective. We are selfish. We are individualistic. I would argue that the black man and woman might be more individualistic than the white man or woman. The Negro is totally selfish, totally self-centered, and totally concerned about himself and his family. He don't care about what happens to the group. That's why we keep losing. Whenever you have a conversation with black people about what's best for the community, you know what they say? Well, I'm doing what's best for me. I'm doing what's best for me. Mm -hmm. But what's best Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. may not be best for the people. And so you have to learn how to subvert your personal agenda for the greater goal of the community. But black people have never known how to do that. We will do it for the church. We will do it for the mass gig. We will do it for the fraternity. We will do it for the Masonic Temple. We will do it for our professional association. We will do it for the United States government. But the minute you tell what black folks that you have to put your agenda second and put the best interest of the black community first, they'll look at you like you're crazy. We mm-hmm. do not have a history. Yeah, you're right about together, that. we do not have a history of looking out for the people above our personal agendas. Yeah.
1: You are so right about that. You know, it, it, it's, you know, when they start telling oh, there you go, start talking about that black stuff. And as if there's something. Start talking
2: that, about that black stuff. Yeah. But you never heard a white person say, we're going to stop talking about that white stuff. Oh, <laughs> I no. You never heard no. a Chinese say, we're going to stop talking about that brown stuff. But mm-hmm. black people will talk about black stuff. And the reason black people talk about black stuff is because we have been so psychologically alienated against ourselves. We're the only people who can step out of ourselves. Mm -hmm. and look at ourselves through the eyes of a white man. Nobody else can do that. Black people can step out of themselves, Mm -hmm. look at themselves through the eyes of a white man, impugn themselves, make fun of themselves, criticize and condemn themselves. Black people are the only people in the world who will fight for the right to call each other a denigrating term that was invented by the slave master. We're the only people who will fight for the right to call ourselves the N-word Black women are the only women who will fight for the right to call each other a bitch. You look at this. We're the only people who will fight for the right to do that. Nobody else fights for the right to call themselves a denigrating, a, a denigrating term from their history. Nobody does that. Black mm-hmm. people will do it. And then we will make jokes and make fun of our Holocaust. Yes. We have never seen a European Jew make fun about the Jewish Holocaust. You've never seen it. You've never seen it. Mm-hmm. But black people, our comedians will regularly make slave jokes. We will regularly make jokes about the enslavement of African people, which is the greatest forced transmigration of a people ever in human history. Mm-hmm. It is the greatest dehumanization campaign in world history. It is the most horrific, oppressive, single incident in world history. Nothing oh. in the Bible compares to the slavery of black people. Nothing mm-hmm. in the Quran or the Torah compares to the slavery of black people, So we will make jokes about it, and then after we're done making jokes about it, we will tell, tell black people to get over
3: it. Hmm.
1: Yeah, we certainly will. I tell you what, we are up against a short break. You can reach us at 972-647-1893 and we'll be right back. Yo, what's up? I'm going to kick it with right again. Here we go. All right. We are back on Church Information and Open Forum. You can reach us at 972-647-1893. We are our special guest this morning is Dr. Umar Johnson. And Dr. Johnson, I hate to ask you, but please give out all information, addresses, and everything in times. One more time.
2: Yes, sir. Dr. Umar Johnson will be in Dallas, Texas for the first time since Kwanzaa of 2018. He will be at Aldi's Afribian Restaurant next Sunday, one week from tomorrow, July 11th from 2 p.m. until 8 for a free lecture and community conversation and book signing at Aldi's Afribian Restaurant, 7879 Spring Valley Road. That is Aldi's Afribian Restaurant, Seventy-eight, seventy-nine, spring Valley road in Dallas, Texas. Can't wait, come on out, get a copy of the book. Have any questions, bring them out. Whether they're questions about the community or questions about your children. If you do have questions about your children, bring the paperwork. It would help if Dr. Umar could see the paperwork for your child so I can help point you in the right direction. And we'll be doing the same thing the night before on Saturday, July 10th at the Shrine of the Black Madonna in Houston, Texas. If you need the flyer, please text my cell phone, 215-989-9858. Again, 215-989-9858.
1: All righty. And I also like to thank uh, my son, Marion Barnett Jr., uh, who who arranged this for me. My phone wasn't working at the time and was just ringing and couldn't get it to work, but I've got it fixed now, Dr. Johnson. And uh, I'd like to thank Marion Jr. You call uh, he stays in contact with you. Obviously, he stays in contact with you. All righty. Who do you have next? So Ike. we have Ike. Uh,
5: Ike on line four. Ike? Ike? Is
1: it? Is it I, yeah. Good morning, Ike. Ike, yeah.
7: Good morning, Reverend Barnett.
1: How you doing? Fine. How you doing this morning?
7: Doing great, and good morning to Dr. Johnson. And, uh, uh, I have a request from Dr. Johnson, not a criticism, not a critique, but it's just a request. Hello?
1: Go right ahead. We're listening.
7: Uh, Uh, Dr. Johnson, I I I noticed the last time you were scheduled to be on Jefferson, uh, and it was, uh, I think it canceled out, but it was going to be an issue with the parking anyway, because I know the area. And my my request is, I live in the heart of the black community. And uh, and that's Oak Cliff, that's the southern sector of Dallas. And uh, everybody know that most black people live south of 30. And my request is, the next time you come to town, would you please seek a venue over here where the majority of the people that need to hear your message live at because uh, I'm familiar with uh, Spring Valley and that's really not a predominant black area, which I know we have to get out of our area sometime, but my thing is, if you will come to Oak Cliff or come to the Southern sector, I think you can reach a lot of these young people. We got a lot of young people that need to hear your conversation that goes far beyond the listeners on this radio program. So would you check with your people and see can y'all come to where we are? Because this is what we used to out when the concert come, we got to go out of Oak When some, some everything big happens out of the black community, and we would love for you to come to the black community. If that would be a problem, then forgive me for my. Uh, question because that's what I would like to see you come to us in our community meet us where we live at and that's my comment have a great day
2: here's what I will say here's what I will say to that and I appreciate that but here's what I will say it is the responsibility of the various black communities to find that place for Dr. Umar you know I think sometimes y'all give me too much work to do I'm busy enough trying to build this school. I'm busy enough saving black children from the East Coast to the West Coast, from the down South to the Midwest. If you know of a place that you would like for me to come to, reach out to that church. Reach out to that community center. Reach out to that black-owned venue and say, listen, would you mind if Dr. Umar came here to address the community? And then you get in contact with me say, Dr. Umar, we found you a place, but you shouldn't put it on me to have to go. I don't live in Texas, but you do. So it's your job to find the venue and, Mm -hmm. and, 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 and secure the venue and then make me aware of it. I just got some emails the other day. Somebody said, uh, why you've never been to Des Moines, Iowa? Why haven't you been back to Baton Rouge, Louisiana? Uh, why haven't we seen you in such a long time in Richmond, Virginia? And the answer is the same for everybody because you haven't found a space for me to come to. But people wait for Dr. Umar to do all the legwork and all no, you do the legwork. You find the place and then you let me know about it. And that's where I get into you know how we can get kind of lazy politically. Mm-hmm. If you know I'm the main fighter to save black boys in this country, I'm busy enough helping these parents, don't give me another job. Find the place. If the elder knows of a place in your community, I would love to make that my next spot because guess what? I have to come back to Texas after July 11th because I have to do the Texas State Black Parent Boot Camp. The Black Parent Boot Camp is a 12-hour training by Dr. Umar. It is in person, face-to-face, and we call it a boot camp because we go from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. I repeat, 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. It is 12 hours, and I train parents for that entire day, 12 hours straight on how to protect their children. We go through the learning disabilities, we go through autism, we go through letter writing, we go through the IEP, we go through the 504 plan, we go through discipline, we go through the uh, functional behavioral assessment, we go through the federal laws, the state laws. By the time you've done those 12 hours with Dr. Umar, you will not only be able to be an expert advocate for your own child, you'll be able to help other parents by advocating for their children. I have to come back to Texas for that boot camp. In order to do that, I need a location. And I'm only doing it in one place because it's so intense that I'm only gonna do it. It's one location for the whole state. So it could be in Dallas. It could be in in the neighborhood that the elder just mentioned. So elder who just called in, if you know of a place that can seat a minimum of 50 parents with tables and chairs, they have to have tables and chairs because it's a lot of paperwork. If you know of a place that can seat at least 50 black parents with tables and chairs, all you have to do is text my phone, Doctor Umar. We have the location for the Black Parent Bootcamp, and I will gladly come and do the training there. That's all you have to do, and I have to do that for every state. I haven't done any boot camps in the South. I haven't done any boot camps in the South. So, if you mm-hmm. know of a place that I can use in your state for the boot camp, find the place and reach out to me. Stop waiting for me to do all
3: the work.
1: All right, uh, Doctor Johnson, I. Uh uh, it's, it's not asking. It's definitely not insult. Uh, I hope you're not insulted with it. Give your no. I'm not insulted. Uh, and I, I know your a- degrees, uh, 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 what you have, the schools you've gone to.
2: Oh, sure. My doctorate is from the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, which is an American Psychological Association approved program. My three master's degrees. One is also from. Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. The second one is from Moody High University, Educational Leadership. The third one is from Millersville University, my undergraduate institution. And my two undergraduate degrees are also from Millersville University of Pennsylvania. I have six degrees in all.
1: All right. You can reach us at 972-647-1893. Who do we have on the line? And we have on line three, Red Ghost. All right. Good morning, Red Ghost. Good
5: morning, everybody out there.
1: Yes, uh-huh. uh, Dr.
5: Umar Johnson. Yes. Uh, we do have a place here in Dallas, and it's called the 10th Street Historical District. And I would be glad to do a pop up 50 boots, and I even get 60 tables and chairs for you for this special event. Because this is something that we have been working on in 10th Street for a long time, my family and I. And we do have a place, Eloise London. it's called The Bottom. And it is called the 10th Street Historic District, and I will work on that. And my question is to you, sir: What do you feel about our city council and our mayor when they don't want to save a community of of uh, historical uh, value? We have a 10th Street Historic District right here in Dallas, Texas, that's getting ready to be those five things that you said earlier to be eliminated uh, by. Our council people and our mayor, they, they don't want to fight for it. And uh, what do you think about when you don't have, when you got good, good, good people in office, the ones saying the black neighborhood
2: like you're talking about? And i be quiet, but, but we'll get back in touch with you. Yes, sir. Please do. Uh, you have my cell, 215-989-9858. I repeat, 215-989-9858. That's how you reach Dr. Umar Johnson. Uh, If you need the flyer, you can text me for the flyer as well. I want to see all of Dallas out on Sunday. I want to see all of Houston out on Saturday. Um, Here's what I'll say to that. I do not vote for black politicians unless they are independent candidates. And the reason I don't vote for black politicians unless they are independent candidates, because if you're not an independent candidate, you will not have an independent hand. You will not be free to do what the black community needs you to do. If you're not an independent candidate, You won't have an independent agenda. You are simply a lackey or a flunky or a functionary of the Democratic or Republican machine. The reason why black politicians in Texas don't carry out the agenda of black Texas is because they are funded by white Texas. Let me say it again. The reason black politicians in Texas don't carry out the agenda of the black community in Texas is because they are funded by the white community in Texas. That's the problem with black Democrats they are funded by white Democrats and then they belong to a white Democratic Party. How can you carry out a black agenda when you're funded by the white Democrats and you are controlled by the white Democrats? And that's why I don't vote for black politicians unless they are independent. I will never cast another vote for a black person who is not independent because once you tell me you're a Democrat, I already know you don't make your own decisions. The minute you tell me you're a Democrat or a Republican or Green Party or anything else, i automatically know your decisions are being made by white folks. And part of this is our problem too. I'm not going to put it all on the black politician because the black community does not have an independent political fund. We should have an independent political fund where we select the people we want to run for office. And once we select the people who we want to run for office, we finance their campaign from the black independent political fund. So when they win, when they finally get elected, they do not owe Walmart. Nothing. They don't owe Mercedes Benz. Nothing. They don't owe Macy's. They don't own Starbucks. They don't owe any white banks, any type of favors for campaign contributions because their campaign was 100% funded by the black community until the black community Funds the black politician. The black politician will serve the white interest.
1: All right. Thank you. Thank you for your calling, coming. That clears the line. Nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three. Who do we have? We have Mister T on line four. Mister T. All ready Good morning, Mister T.
4: Good
1: morning. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to say, uh, uh, Doctor
4: Umar Johnson. I've been following you for a while, man, and I just love your work. So, uh, you know, just, man, my hat's off to you. So I just wanted to say that. Uh, my question is Are you familiar with the National African American Gun Association? I want to ask you that question. Uh, I am a uh, certified uh, trainer, uh, for self defense and those type of things. And, and the guy is from Atlanta, so it is if you know anything about them. And also, when you give out your number, can you just, um, throw it down just a little bit so I can,
2: so I can write it down so that, that way I can be able to contact you. Sure, sure. Uh, first of all, yes, I've heard of it. Uh, I'm not intimately familiar, but I have heard of it and found I support all of the Black Gun Associations, the African American Gun Association, the UEP P. Newton Gun Association. We need to arm ourselves. We need to be able to defend ourselves in the event of a civil breakdown, which I think is coming and will be manipulated by the government itself to Uh, get rid of large numbers of black people just like I believe the COVID crisis was manipulated by the government to get rid of large numbers of African American elders they wiped out our elders last year with that COVID crisis so the only thing that I would express concern with towards our brothers and sisters in these gun associations is we don't need to run around flaunting our guns to white people that's not a good military technique not everybody's doing it but a few of the brothers and sisters out there, they want to show off to white people that they are armed. Now, the, the essence of warfare is deception. You don't let your enemy know what you have. You don't let your enemy know what you're working with. Now, obviously, if you live in a state, you know, where you got to have open carry, then you have open carry. But I just don't like it when we go out of our way to let white folks know that we are armed. That think we're playing into their hands. You know, again, deception is the art of war. Let them think that we're not armed. So if there is to be a confrontation, and we hope not, we can catch them by surprise, for they will not know what we really have in our arsenal. So let's not be so braggadocious with our gun rights. Now, I did hear recently that the state of Texas is passing a law, if they have not yet passed it, that will give the right of Texans to carry weapons, whether they're registered or not. I do not like That's that true. at all. Because what it does is it's going to empower a lot of people who are not mentally sane, a lot of people who have a background that suggests they should absolutely not have a gun. And I'm not talking about brothers and sisters who've been to jail, you know, for stealing or selling drugs. I don't have a problem with them being armed. But you got some people in Texas, black and maybe a, a lot of whites, and maybe a few blacks, who have a questionable psychological history. Mm-hmm who mm-hmm. should not be walking around with weapons. And I'm concerned that once they get weapons into their hands, we may see a lot more mass shooting, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, across the country, not only in Texas. So I question, I question the wisdom behind the law mm-hmm. that wants to give every Texas oh, no. a right to bear an arm without any regulation or process, even if you want to give them the gun. At least do a background check so you know who you need to keep your eye on. At least put some checks and balances in order so you know who owns what and who's likely to do what. But to just say they can carry the gun without any type of oversight, it just sounds like they're trying to bring a social... It's like they're instigating some
1: sort of a crisis in Texas. They are. are. America has had Mm -hmm. four mass
2: shootings this year. America has had more mass shootings this year than she has had in almost any year in the past. So you're telling me that in the midst of that, in the midst of a record-breaking mass shooting year, Texas is going to give more citizens the right to carry a gun whether they have a permit or not. Mm -hmm. I don't like the way that looks and I don't like the way that sounds.
1: A permit and no training. And many that haven't been right. trained to use the gun. So that even some of the targets they'll be shooting at, they're not going to hit. They'll be hitting other people who have nothing to do with their anger. So it's going yeah, to it's going to be a tragedy. Conflict. Yes.
4: Yeah, that's why right. I'm a certified trainer. I'm doing the best I can with that as a uh, certified NRA firearms instructor and a ex-police officer. So I'm doing my best as far as uh, to educate the public on, on doing the right thing.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thank you for your call and come in. Uh, we got to take a short break. You can reach us at 972-647-1893. We'll be right back. Yeah, what's
0: up? I'm going
1: to kick it with right my Here we go. All right. We're back. And uh, reach us at 972-647-1893. Who do we have on the line? And we have uh, Caroline Arnold on line three. Good morning, uh, Councilwoman.
0: Good morning. How are you doing this morning? I've enjoyed the, uh, the comments that I've heard this morning. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Thank you. I just
0: wanted to quickly share uh, some information. Uh, I appreciate, first of all, the fact that the comment that we really do as an African American community, or the African American communities on the agenda, really willing to put aside their own personal agenda for the good. And we're mm-hmm. going to follow up with uh, conversations throughout the city, uh, uh, Pastor Barnett, as we talk mm-hmm. about investment in our communities, which right now we take the stands that I do. We've uh-huh. got to start taking care and cleaning up our own backyard uh-huh. so that our communities can grow and, and receive the benefits that they are entitled to. So we can't keep putting money in neighborhoods where people don't want to even clean up their own backyard and just thousands, thousands of dollars of code violations. And we can't bring those improvements in because new business is not going to come. And we don't pull the money together to do our own. So that's another show. But let me just say, too, this this uh-huh. weekend, as we move into uh, the crisis of the fireworks, uh, I just want to remind everyone that the uh, Dallas Police Department is encouraging you to call 911 only if you have... Uh, serious offenses, and that includes gunfire, uh, uh, of course, criminal activity. And the side note, the side non-emergency number, we can call back, but it's 214 744 Non-emergency, that means they're simple fireworks because we are uh, only really responding to priority calls, and those are your 911 calls. So now, I just it, want to make sure I put that
1: out. Is your typical fireworks that a is that a, a urgent call no, uh, when you say just no, sir? To,
0: just no. What we're
1: gunfire we're saying, is though, right? No,
0: right. Just the regular fireworks that they're just popping. But well, sometimes, especially when you're singers, when you hear that gun, that uh, gunshot, mm-hmm. or you hear such a boom, mm-hmm. that you don't know if it's gunfire or or, or a firework, Mm-hmm. then I would say you're going to have to make that call uh, yeah. in terms of life safety. And then mm-hmm. you can call 911. But bottom line is, if it's just people partying right now, uh, yeah. there's no gunshot and just loud noise, we're going to encourage you to call the non-emergency number. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But everyone's going to to use the common sense about this, but just know just simple uh, uh, partying. Is not a priority. Mm -hmm. That number, again, for non-emergency is Mm -hmm. 214-744-4444. And Mm -hmm. most of us know where the regular gunshot is. Sometimes we, I think Mm -hmm. we do. We know the person who's shooting the gun, gun, whether it's the 4th of July or New Year's. And you know Mm -hmm. that you're going to probably have to go ahead and call on them. Because when those bullets go up, They've got to come down.
1: That's right.
0: So the bottom line is, we have to be safe, but Mm -hmm. we have to also be wise and understanding Mm -hmm. that just a simple party is not emergency, but that rapid gunfire and that big boom and you think it is a gun, or you know, and I'm not an an expert in all the levels of of guns and bullets, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you that we ought to be able to discern. Uh, and make that right call. So thank
1: you, and I enjoyed the conversation.
0: All I right, and
1: thank you, you for the... I appreciate it. Thank you for
0: the information
1: also. Thank you. Thank you. May God bless you. Be uh, safe. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, who do we have next? Uh, we have uh, Imani. 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 Yes, go right ahead, Imani. Hey,
10: Dr. Joseph, how you doing? Is you still on? All is well, sir. How are you? Hey, man, I still well. you? got your picture. You, you took with me at the Texas Theater. I got your picture, and I got your book. And, and when you took a picture, I think I might have been the oldest guy there. You called me, Baba And I won't forget you. But real quick, <clears throat> you let somebody else own because I, I listen to you every morning on YouTube. I listen to you, like, religiously. And one thing I'm concerned about, since we don't have much time, is how, would you explain to them how this homosexuality is destroyed, this uh, genocide, genocide in our community? Would you explain that? And I'm on a, I'm, I'm, every morning I listen to you, so and I'm going to head to school, but explain it to her how that's destroyed us, and we won't last as a
2: people. Go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. First of all, I want to say to members of the LBGTQ community that I do not hate any of them. Uh, I love all black people. We all have our issues. Okay, so I don't want my comments to be treated as any form of hate or malice towards the group. I, I, I do not support the LGBT movement because it is funded and financed and controlled by the United States government with the expressed purpose of reducing the birth rate of black people in this country. Two women cannot make a child. Two men cannot make a child. And what you see going on in the public school system today is they are indoctrinating our children with that lifestyle in hopes of steering them away from traditional heterosexual relationships. Not because they care about alternative families. they don't. The government doesn't care about the homosexuals or the gay blacks. Black is black, whether you're gay or straight. But what they do care about is reducing our numbers. And that is why you see this type of lifestyle being perpetuated in front of our children, even in kindergarten, first grade, and second grade. So, brothers and sisters, I want us to understand, understand, and overstand that Dr. Umar does not take issue with our brothers and sisters in alternative life. I love all black. But I need them to wake up and understand that this is a systemic movement funded, financed and promoted by the government to bring about black extermination in the United States of America. To that point, just last year, it was reported that the teenage pregnancy rate for black teenage girls was down for the first time since I believe 1970. But they didn't tell you why. The reason the teenage birth rate was down for the first time in 1970 is the government has done such a good job, the government has done such a good job uh, indoctrinating our children with this same-sex agenda that... They have now started looking at relationships with the same gender as opposed to building the traditional black family. The black family is an endangered species. The black family is under attack. And that's why when you look at a lot of the commercials and a lot of the shows on American mainstream television, it is either a mixed race couple. okay, it is a interracial couple or it is an LBGTQ couple. Just look at the propaganda, look at the shows, look at the commercials. You hardly see a black man, a black woman, and a black child Mm. anymore. It is either interracial, it is either mixed race, or it is LGBTQ. They are programming our children for self-destruction of the black community.
1: All right. That's something. That's something. 972-647-1893 is the number to call. Amen. Uh, Imani, you still there?
10: Yes, sir. I I look for him every day. I got his book, and I'm going to be here. He was here. We just didn't show up. I was there. The Texas Theater was filled up with us, and uh, and all this location. See, if we could pretend to be somebody and start being who we we are, we would be where he is. Dr. I'm going to let somebody else call you, but if God say the same, when you come, I will be there. I also will send money for your school and educate that, that program in Delaware. I listen to you every morning. My name is Imani. I work with the Dynamics Corporation with Dr. Claude Anderson, PowerDynamics.com. We are trying to cluster uh, now, bring everybody together, and I'm going to let somebody else call them. Thank you.
3: All
1: righty. Hey, thank you. Uh, exclamation line nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three. Uh, what do you think the school systems? How do you think they're teaching? Uh, the uh, the uh, gay agenda now
2: through direct instruction. It's no longer subliminal. I get pictures from parents every, on a regular basis of cartoons in the preschool book. And in the primary grade instructional books that have two husbands as a family, uh, two mothers as a family, here's the question. Children from birth to age 8, 9, 10, they're not sexually interested in the opposite sex. You understand? So mm-hmm. he may like the girl in his class, but he's not sexually interested. You understand? He's not getting mm-hmm. an erection. Okay, being intimate with another seven or eight year old. There's no interest to procreate because the urge to have sex is a biological urge to reproduce. We Mm -hmm. treat it as, you know, lust, but it is a biological urge. That is when you want to mate with your wife or mate with your husband. That is a biological urge to safeguard the survival of the species. Reproduction is about safeguarding the survival of the species. Children don't have that urge yet. They don't have that urge. Yeah, he might like his second grade classmate. She might like her third grade classmate, but there's no biological urge to copulate with that classmate. Mm-hmm. So why are you teaching about gay sex or straight sex in preschool, kindergarten, first or second grade to children who are not yet interested in reproduction? Why 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 are you teaching it to kids who are too young to even understand it? Mm-hmm. Because you want to indoctrinate them. You want to steal their mind before they're old enough to make a decision. See, the best time to train a child is from birth to age 12. Whoever owns the child's mind from birth to age 12 will likely own it for the rest of their life. Because those children are not yet at an age where they politically disagree with what they're being taught. When your parents take you to church, you don't politically disagree with Jesus being white. When they take you to the mosque, you don't politically disagree with the Arabs dominating that religion because you're not at the age yet where you have that political maturity and intellectual sophistication. That's why they're indoctrinating the babies and nobody's doing nothing about it. And the reason you don't hear the black church speaking up against the indoctrination of black young children into same sex relationships before they're old enough to even know what that is is because the churches don't want to lose their funding. They don't want to lose their money. Everybody is a slave to the government's money, which is why, as Pan-Africanists, we don't take the government's money. The Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy is 100% paid for and financed by black people. You must be independent if you want to bring about change. Show me a Negro who's not independent, and I'll show you a Negro waiting to sell out his race. If you are a leader or an organizer, and you are not economically self-sufficient, you are a traitor waiting to happen because if you are forced to choose between your family and the future of the black community, nine times out of 10, you will choose your family. And that's why nobody should be put in a position to have to choose between their family and the people because the family is a part of the people. And the only way we can keep our leaders honest is. Is to make sure they are economically independent from the white power structure. You cannot be dependent on the white power structure for your bread and butter and think you're going to fight to liberate black people. It's not going to happen. Sooner or later, you will become a traitor.
1: All right. Uh, again, would you uh, give out all the information uh, for the Ju- July 11th meeting?
11: Yes, indeed. Dr. Umar
2: Johnson, the prince of Pan-Africanism, is coming back to the state of Texas First time in Houston since 2017, first time in Dallas since 2018, first time in Austin since 2015. I will be in Dallas, Texas next Sunday, July 11th from 2 p.m. until 8 p.m. at the Aldi's Afribian Restaurant. That is A-L-D-E-E-Z. I repeat, A-L-D-E-E-Z, Aldi's Afribian Restaurant. Seventy-eight, seventy-nine, 79, Spring Valley Road. Free event, no tickets, no registration is necessary. All you have to do is show up. Lecture at 2 o'clock, question and answers at 3 o'clock. Books and pictures from 4 p.m. until 8. Can't wait to see my Dallas Texas family. Can't wait to see my Houston family on Saturday. Can't wait to see my Austin family on Sunday, July the 25th. If you need a flyer, text me, 215-989-9858 two one five nine eight nine nine eight five eight. Let me also say this in case there's anyone listening who can help, including the brother who is the certified firearms trainer. I need two security guards. Two security guards who I can pay to provide security for the event. I do have some folks in Dallas i put a ring out to, but I haven't heard back to them. So if there's anybody out there who does security or know someone who provides security, I need two arms security for that two, to, for that two to eight, for those six hours mm-hmm. to protect me and protect the people at my event. If you're interested in providing that security or know somebody who can't, please shoot me a text message, 215-989-9858.
1: All right. Will you be uh, doing questions and answers? Uh, you know, a little Q and A there.
2: Oh, yes, indeed. Definitely a Q and A. Bring your questions. Questions about the children. Questions about politics. Questions about the Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy. And please mark your calendars. Saturday, September the 11th, which is Ethiopian New Year. I repeat, Saturday, September the 11th. Nine one one which is Ethiopian New Year, we will be at the Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy in Wilmington, Delaware, 22 minutes from the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, International Airport. I repeat, 22 minutes driving from the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, International Airport from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. We will have music, performers, food, giveaways, t-shirts, games, bring the children. We're going to have a big swimming pool out there. We're going to have a water slide, face painting, vendors. It is going to be the first annual
1: energetically African festival. I tell you, I hate to interrupt you, but we're completely out of time. Thank you, Dr. Umar Johnson. You have a wonderful day. Coming next is Workers Beat. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful wonderful. day. I will see y'all tomorrow morning, 930. Marion Barnett Sr. Facebook. Bye-bye.